0: Hello, I'm David Perkins. And I'm Shari Tishman. Welcome, and welcome back to Thinkability. Now, our topic today is enticing intuition. That title has a double meaning. We often find intuition enticing as a way to see through the clutter of things, but also sometimes we don't get the clear intuitions we'd like we need to find ways of enticing intuition to speak to us. With that in mind, hey, Shari, can I entice you to say a few words to get us oriented?
1: (laughs) Invitation accepted. Um, Well, you know, I think we all pretty much know what the word intuition means, even if just intuitively, and we naturally associate it with thinking. For example, if you ask me how I came to a particular decision, And I explained that I was thinking intuitively, you'd know what I mean. But precisely because we do so often associate intuition with thinking, it's worth asking some questions about it. As you said, what is intuition really? And and where do we see it in action? And also, as you mentioned, sometimes our intuitions are clear, but sometimes they aren't. How can we be more attuned to intuition in ourselves? How can we get our intuitions to speak more clearly to us? And even when they do speak, should we always listen to them? Are they always trustworthy? And how can we know?
0: Good questions. Well, to start with the first one, what is intuition? Now, there are many kinds of intuition, but here's a typical example. You know many people, but which ones would you trust with something important? We usually have a quick intuitive sense of whether we trust someone or trust them for a particular thing. In general, I think we can say that intuition is a holistic sense of something, trustworthy or not, good, bad, mixed, interesting, dull, worthwhile or not, and so on. Now, that's different from analyzing something with a number of pros and cons. For a typical intuition, maybe we can name a reason or two, but they don't seem to get anywhere near the whole picture. So, We speak of intuition or a gut sense of something or an impression or a feeling. But Shabri, where do you think those gut feelings come from?
1: Hmm, Well, it's pretty well accepted by psychologists that intuition is a kind of unconscious pattern recognition. You know, when your mind makes quick sense of a bunch of perceptions and puts them together based on past experience. Like for example, suppose you're meeting a friend for a cup of tea and as you start chatting with her, you have an intuition that something's wrong with her. Maybe there's something that you kind of have a sense she's not telling you something. Now you could reverse engineer the experience and try to find reasons why you had that intuition. Maybe it was body language, maybe knowing her over time, you detected a slight change in her voice and so on, but you picked up those perceptions unconsciously and they coalesced in your conscious mind as an intuition, sort of a unified gut reaction rather than a, a list of individual perceptions.
0: Come to think of it, the boundary between intuition and perception is blurry. The things that we call perception are obviously perception, like recognizing a friend or a model of car or a breed of dog. When we have a distinct impression that's not obviously, perception. Well, we tend to call that intuition.
1: We do. And and those moments occur all the time. We see intuition in action at all kinds of everyday junctures, don't we? Like like decision-making or problem-solving or problem-finding, matters of taste, figuring out what appeals to us and what doesn't. Also, there's lots of research that shows that expert practice in almost any area, whether it's sports or arts or teaching, often involves lots of intuition. And that makes sense, because when you're an expert at something, you've had a lot of experience at it, so you have lots of experience seeing patterns. But it's important to remember that part of expertise is also knowing when not to rely too heavily on intuition and to use deliberate reason and analysis instead like when a new kind of problem arises that you're not at all familiar with, or or if it's a very high-stakes situation and you want to think really clearly.
0: Yeah, very true. Also, it's interesting that we use intuition all the time in everyday low-stakes contexts, and we don't think anything of it and don't even identify it as intuition or identify it as anything. For instance, what do I feel like watching or reading or having for supper? what do I think of so-and-so just casually? It's tempting to view intuition as just once in a while, even exotic, but really intuition is completely commonplace. We couldn't get through the day without it.
1: Mm, that's true. And, and you know, speaking of commonplace, it's worth mentioning that all of these places that we see intuition in everyday life, of course, also come up in educational settings. You know, students, call on intuition to help them solve problems, to decide what they're interested in, to follow paths of inquiry. They use intuition to make decisions about how and what to study, decisions about what sources to trust, and and so on. Well, that's
0: great. There's something of a picture of how intuition works. Maybe it's time to turn to another question. How can we get intuition to speak now, our intuitions aren't always that accessible to us; they don't always speak, so we can hear them. Sometimes we're just not aware of them. Sometimes they need help crystallizing. That's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. Hey Shari. When I have that problem, what can I do?
1: Mm, well, one thing you could do is just to explicitly go looking for these occasions. For example, keep in mind the everyday junctures where intuition tends to be in play, like decision-making, matters of trust, matters of taste. And when you're at one of those junctures, just ask yourself, do I have an intuition here?
0: Makes sense. You know, now that I think of it, there's a kind of a quirky strategy that can also help. One way to surface intuitions is to use a rating. So imagine you're rating something on a 10-point scale, like how strongly you feel pulled in a certain direction. So is the pull a two, maybe a six, maybe a nine? That rating trick also works for choosing among different options too. At first, let's say I'm not so sure about choosing A versus B. I like them both. It's kind of a dilemma. But if I ask myself to rate them, it turns out one's a seven and one's a nine. Okay, I'm going for the nine.
1: That is a great trick, Dave, and I'm going to use it because it just feels like it makes sense. Um, But thinking about tricks, you know, or ways to surface intuition um, and remembering what we said earlier about the overlap between intuition and perception. Another thing we can do is to pay heightened attention to our perceptions, you know, to our senses and our feelings to see whether they're picking up patterns or information. I have a friend who works in an art museum and she likes to help visitors tap into their intuitions by asking them to pay attention to perceptions that they might normally not think about. She asks questions like, look at this artwork. What's your heart t- heart telling you about it? Or what's your body telling you about it? Or how are you sensing it? These kinds of questions attune us to signals that we might not normally take stock of.
0: Yeah. And sometimes intuitions need time to develop. They need to be incubated, sleep on it, revisit, mull something over, Discuss it with a friend. And the discussion isn't so much to get your friend's advice as it is just to churn the whole thing a while, see what emerges. So, all that sounds great. There are happily several ways we can nudge our intuitions to speak to us. But, you know, I am remembering the question we raised earlier about the reliability of intuition. Now, intuitions often feel strong and clear. Does that mean we should always trust them?
1: Good question. And I think no, not necessarily. I mean, for one, remember how our perceptions can sometimes fool us. You know, sometimes a perception feels really real. Like we find out it's something looks very clear, but it's actually an optical illusion or it's a mirage or or something might seem clear at a distance, but when you get closer, that's not what it is. So in the same way that perceptions fool us, intuitions can. Sometimes you get a gut-leaning, an intuitive sense of things, but it turns out to just be wrong. What you thought was going on or what you thought was the right decision just wasn't. So in these kinds of cases, what are some rules of thumb? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, for one, intuitions are more reliable when we have more experience with the sort of thing in question. Let's say a kind of art or music or food an activity like driving an area of expertise experience counts. Also, experiencing the particular thing more fully, looking twice, looking three times, looking closer, coming back to it after sleeping on it. And this is an odd finding. Well, maybe it isn't so odd. Research shows that intuition is particularly reliable for things involving personal preferences, art, food, romantic partners, better than analysis. So those are some positive signs, some green flags. But, Shari, what are some red flags?
1: Hmm. Well, one red flag might be when your intuitive attraction to the surface features of something, the shiny features, might keep you from paying attention to what's underneath. Kind of like judging a book by its cover without sampling a bit of text. Or thinking about practical decisions, buying a household appliance because of bells and whistles without looking at other features like reliability or efficiency. So in situations like these, our first impressions, the intuitive appeal of something, matter a little bit, but they aren't the whole picture.
0: Right. And another place intuitions aren't reliable is when you're trying to make predictions in a complex, chaotic situation with lots of interacting parts. Well, like, say, predicting a really close election that could be influenced by events no one anticipated, or predicting the exact path of a complicated, fast-moving weather pattern. Gee, the clouds are doing this, so I think by 11 o'clock it's going to do such and such. But it's so easy to be wrong. These are chaotic systems. We might have strong intuitions, but those intuitions are probably not very reliable.
1: True. And another place intuitions can be unreliable is in situations where prejudice or implicit bias are likely to be in play. In fact, prejudices often come to us as intuitions, even if they're a kind of pernicious intuition, because we experience them as quick judgments or reads of a situation based on unconscious and erroneous stereotypes.
0: Okay. Sounds sensible. But are there times when we should throw intuition away altogether because of these sorts of problems? Say a decision when the stakes are high. Don't trust your gut and just go with analysis. I think we want to say not necessarily. In other words, just because an intuition may not be reliable, that doesn't mean it's wrong this time. It may very well get at something important So high-stakes situations call not so much for throwing away intuition as cross-checking it in other ways. Analyze too, and analyze in a fair way, not just to justify your gut, and see whether you get the same answer. If not, process more. Revisit your analysis. Revisit your experience of the situation to see if your intuition changes over time. In tricky, high-stakes situations, it's not either-or, it's both.
1: I like that. I like how you characterize using intuition and analysis together. That's powerful. So maybe this is a good moment to stand back and see how we did on the questions we asked earlier. Well, to start, regarding the question, what is intuition, we talked about it basically being unconscious pattern recognition or synthesizing of perceptions and we can see it in action all over the place in lots of everyday situations and also in expert practice
0: right and even though it's useful in lots of situations annoyingly it doesn't always speak when we'd like it to so how can we wake it up well several tricks can help simply ask yourself use a rating on say a 10 point scale pay deliberate attention to our intuitive sense of things Pay closer attention to our feelings and senses. Come back to something again after sleeping on it, and so on. All well and good. But then there's the reliability puzzle. Even when you can get intuition to speak, there are times when you need to be careful about listening too hard. Sometimes intuition is more reliable, sometimes less. It's more reliable when we have a lot of experience with something also, in areas involving personal preference.
1: Right, right. And, and it's less reso- uh, less reliable for decisions about practical matters that might have many layers to take into consideration, you know, many pros and cons. It's also less reliable when you're dealing with complex dynamic systems, as you mentioned weather earlier, that can change quickly. It's also unreliable in situations where prejudice or implicit bias can be in play.
0: All true. But this certainly doesn't mean ignore your intuitions. They still may reveal something important. It means take them with a big grain of salt. Maybe most important for high stakes matters, it's smart to take both paths. Look to your gut, but also analyze the pros and cons in a fair, balanced way. If you need to, explore the matter further over time until you come to a clear view. Yeah, that can be confusing at first, but it really pays off in the end.
1: Great point. Also, it really underscores how intuition is an important part of our cognitive toolkit, along with other forms of perception and also along with reasoning, deliberation, and analysis. So, putting my educator hat on, intuition is something we probably want to pay attention to when we're trying to teach thinking. Have any ideas about that, Dave?
0: Well, let's see. Sure. One thing to do is straightforwardly teach students some basic information about intuition, that it's a kind of unconscious perception or pattern recognition, that we get intuitions all the time, that they can be helpful, but also sometimes wrong, and that accessing and evaluating our intuitions can help us be better thinkers. And also, hey, Teach soon to some of those tricks we mentioned about getting intuitions to speak, rating scales, and looking more closely at our feelings, and so on.
1: I like the idea of teaching some tricks, and I agree that it's really important to share some information about intuition with students. You know, also, thinking back to our last podcast episode on metacognition, as educators, we can encourage students to consider intuition when they're being metacognitive, you know, that is when they're thinking about their own thinking processes. For example, if students are reflecting on how they solved a particular problem, they can ask themselves where intuitions might have come into play.
0: Yeah, good advice. Well, maybe that wraps it up for now. There's some thoughts on enticing intuition. Hey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinkability. See you next time, Shari. I know we have a great topic in store.
1: We do indeed. We'll be talking about a subject that has fascinated both of us for a very long time and feels especially important these days. Our theme is thinking dispositions needed now. So, dear listeners, please join us. And as always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on the Project Zero website or look for us on Twitter at ThinkabilityPZ. See you soon, Dave.